0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in with us. Things are not great for the Brewers as we are recording this podcast on Sunday evening. They just got done getting swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. They lost two games in fairly one-sided fashion, and then they ended up losing the series finale when they had a late lead and were unable to hold on, and they ended up losing that game by a single run. And that wraps up a road trip that started off in promising fashion when they took three of four from the Cubs. They then went to Minnesota, lost two of three. Minnesota's a good team. You just kind of tipped your cap to some Minnesota pitchers, specifically Kenta Maeda in that series and you thought that they could go to pittsburgh maybe sweep take two of three at the least and have a nice series and a nice road trip and come back home for a long homestand and be in really good shape and it just it doesn't work out that way they win three of four against the cubs but then they lose two of three to the twins and they lose all three to the pirates and for the first time all season the brewers are four games below 500 before we go any further let's take care of our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and can leave a ranking and review and also subscribe to it, that would be very much appreciated. Brewers are 11-15, and 15, and if you've been listening to me um, on my postgame shows on WTMJ, quite honestly, I'm going to kind of repeat some of the things I've been saying uh, but it's it's something I'm still kind of working through because the Brewers are not playing good baseball right now. They are not playing good baseball. That was this is the low point of the season getting swept by a Pittsburgh team. I mean, this Pittsburgh team had uh, four total wins on the season when this series got started and they just won three in a row. So they increased their win total. You know, they had they had 75% of their previous win total in one series. It's, just, it's not good. And what I'm trying to wrap my hands around, and I don't think we're really going to know for sure until maybe the season comes to an end. In a 162 game season, you have moments like these. You have weeks like these. You have stretches of time like these. They're not great. Nobody's happy about them, but you're able to recover. They, they don't destroy your season. In a 60-game season, not that's going to destroy your season, but it certainly carries more weight. There's more impact. But when we're talking about it in terms of being a playoff qualifier, yeah, it does have more impact just because it's a 60-game season, but in terms of the playoff qualification, how much impact does it really have because so many more playoff teams are going to be in this year? There's going to be eight teams per league. There's going to be sub-500 teams that probably make it into the postseason this year. So it's it's... It's not good to get swept by Pittsburgh. It's really bad to get swept by Pittsburgh. But at the same time, the idea of this team not being a postseason team because of it, that's not true either. I still believe in this team as a postseason club. Maybe I'm crazy. There's people out there who want to tell me I'm crazy. Maybe I am, and maybe we'll figure that out uh, by the time this season ends and there's only about five weeks left in the season. I still view this team very much as being a postseason team. They need more offensive consistency. They absolutely do. Offense got it together a little bit more in the final two games against the Pirates, but not enough. Not enough. They've got they've still got a long way to go. It was good on Sunday to see uh, both Justin Smoke and Omar Narvaez have a, a nice game at the plate. For Brewers fans, that's something that you can be excited turns into something. One game doesn't make a season. One game doesn't turn your season around. But one game can be the start of something. Pitching, for the most part, has been pretty good. The frustrating thing about Sunday's loss is the best part of the Brewers team this year, the most consistent part, has been the back end of the bullpen when they've gone with Williams and Phelps and, and Hader, and it was Phelps who gave up big home run to Gregory Polanco in the eighth inning. A lot of people are asking why wasn't Josh Hader in at that point? He was well rested. I like the I like guys having roles. Uh, I I like Craig Council has already said this year that he'd like to avoid too many multi inning performances for Hader. So if you've got Williams locking down the seventh and you've got Phelps locking down the eighth and you can run out Hader in the ninth inning. That's, I'm good with that. I have no problem with that being Phelps' inning. You've won a lot of games. In fact, those one-run games that you won against the Cubs, you won those games because of that system, or at least two of the three you won because of that system using those guys. And, um, you know, what What would have the reaction been had they taken Phelps out or not used Phelps at all and they went with Hayter and maybe Hayter performed well in the eighth inning, but then he gave it up in the ninth inning? Then everybody's saying, "Well, why didn't they? Uh, why didn't they use Phelps in the eighth and then go to Hader in the ninth? Why are you asking Hader for a two-inning save?" So it's that's that's the that's what happens when you're a manager of a baseball club. It, that's a hypothetical that may or may not have happened. Like, I understand that there's no guarantee that could happen, but the point I'm trying to make is that there's always once something happens, it's always easy to second-guess the decision that was made based off the result. And before that result came in, uh, Phelps pitching the eighth made a whole lot of sense to me because that's the way the Brewers had certainly won some games this year. Uh, A lot of people have compared this to the Brewers getting swept in Pittsburgh just before the All-Star break a couple years ago. I I can remember doing the post-game show that night, or that afternoon. It was a Sunday right before the All-Star break. Season's over. This team's done. They need to be sellers. Yeah, they ended up having a, a pretty good year that year. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison. And I'll always remember, I wish I could find this person, because I remember I was doing a pre-game show, or I was doing, or maybe it was the post-game show after the first game of that series, and I remember some person calling in and saying, the Brewers are going to get swept in this five-game series. And I laughed it off. Like, no, they're not. Like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to win the series, but they're not going to lose all five games. That's There's no way that's going to happen. And I, I, I remember saying to the guy, if that happens, you call me back. And he never called me back. And he was right. I was wrong. I'd love to find that person that's always stuck with me, that guy who, who predicted the Brewers getting, the, getting swept in a five-game series in that series a couple of years back right before the All-Star break. Whoever that guy was, I, I still I still like to talk to you if you happen to be uh, to be out there. <laughs> but uh, in terms of this season, yeah, it's they're not playing great baseball. I I really believe you find just a little bit of offensive consistency, you start getting. Christian Yelich to be Christian Yelich. You start getting Omar Narvaez to be the guy that they thought that he was going to be prior to the year. You get production from, from Justin Smoke. Uh, you get some consistent uh, play from Ryan Braun being able to be in the lineup. Uh, get consistent numbers from Avisail Garcia. If that group right there that I mentioned, those guys, if they can kind of put it together, I think this is a playoff team. This is absolutely a playoff team. They have more than enough pitching to, to for that – for if you can get just that group, that core group. But when you're when you're getting one or two of those guys at most performing on any given night, when you're getting a lot of production from Orlando Arcia and Luis Orias, like no disrespect meant to those players, but they're not your they're not your run producers. They're not your core guys that you put in the middle of the lineup. You need middle of the lineup guys to be producing. And right now that's not happening and hopefully it happens sooner than later. This is a huge homestand coming up. Huge. Four against the Reds. Four more against the Pirates. Two against Detroit. You gotta, you gotta win these games. Like not that you're gonna go ten and zero, but you gotta win. Not just more than half. Not just six and four. You're looking at you know seven and three, eight and two, maybe seven and three. I don't know. I mean, just you gotta have a good uh, home stand here to kind of put you back into things, get you back to five hundred again. Five hundred teams in the postseason this year. There might be below 500 teams in the postseason this year. Uh, the, The barrier of entry to get into the postseason is going to be the lowest in the history of Major League Baseball. So right now they're four games below 500. The idea's got to be get back to 500. They've got the trade deadline coming up uh, on a, a week from Monday, August 31st. They're going to have to make a decision on how they want to handle that. This might be a trade deadline where there's not a lot of activity anyways, uh, just because who's eligible to be traded, who's not eligible to be traded uh, with the uh, 60, 60-man player pools that you've got uh, going on right now. But it's just uh, the weird, weird, weird season continues. All right, uh, this week, our featured guest, it is a first-time guest on to the program. Uh, We are very happy to be able to have uh, Matt Carroll. He is one of the co-editors over at uh, Reviewing the Brew, and he'll join us here uh, in about 10, 15 seconds or so. After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it
1: starts now.
0: Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Very happy to welcome on a first-time guest to the podcast, throwing him into the fire after the weekend that the Brewers just had. He is uh, one of the co-editors over at Reviewing the Brew, which is part of the Fan Sided Network. He is Matt Carroll. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, mke Matt 13 Hey, Matt, really appreciate you uh, taking some time. Uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, let's. Um, a tough time to be talking about the Brewers after what they just did over the course of the weekend. And we'll get into a lot of stuff, but from a very general standpoint, how do you evaluate what just happened where they go into Pittsburgh to take on a team that's got the worst record in baseball and they end up getting swept in two of the three games are not even particularly close?
1: Yeah, it's tough because. Um, It seemed like maybe the offense was starting to, you know, show a little bit of consistency and, you know, maybe had something to work off of going forward after that Cubs series. Um, The Twins series happened. Kenta Maeda happened. um, Barrios happened. And then it was like that all that momentum was lost. And instead it was the downward momentum that took them into Pittsburgh. And it was almost as though the pitching just – snapped under the pressure, you know? They had done a good job all year of holding it together, keeping them in games that, you know, with the offense struggling, they almost didn't have any business being in. And they, you know, you saw what happened. Um, The 12 run game the other day, um, you know, Lindblom gives up runs. Hauser gives up runs. We've got guys in the bullpen giving up, you know, Phelps gave up uh, the go ahead today. Uh, I thought once we got to Phelps, like, Hey, we're going to salvage a win out of this. And, you know, it's, it's almost as though just, you know, the offense losing it kind of just sucked the energy out of that dugout. And it just ended up affecting everyone this weekend. It was, it was unfortunate. Um, so, you know, luckily we get to go back home now and hopefully that's what they need this time.
0: We can focus on some pitching issues and we'll get into that in a second, but at the end of the day the team still is not hitting to the level that they need to. It got a little bit better over the course of the final two games against the Pirates series, but even yeah, sometimes it's not about total runs, sometimes it's about the pressure that you're putting on the opponent over nine innings and it's it's almost become commonplace now for the Brewers to be no hit into the the third or the fourth or the the fifth inning, and we we had saw the Kitomeyeta game where it was into the the ninth inning. It just seems like not only they're giving up runs early they're not even coming up with hits in the early going where they can try to apply some pressure that could maybe
1: pay out some dividends later on in the game right I mean what is it? I think it's five runs total. They have now, um, between the first and second inning combined over the course of the year. Like that is, you need to give your pitchers somewhat of a chance to, you know, play with a lead. I think Brett Anderson was the first one who got a decent lead the other day and he ended up pitching great that day. It was almost crazy to think that, uh, having a little bit less pressure actually turns out a better performance. Um, It just constantly playing from behind. It puts the pressure on the pitching. It puts more pressure on the hitters who are, you know, already struggling to put together a consistent threat. Um, Yeah, I'm at a loss at this point. I I know uh, Council plays with lineups. Uh, There's been lots of talk about, you know, the leadoff spot and are we utilizing that, but then, you know, Lineup construction to a point can be overrated at times, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, it. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer. I, I wish council had an answer. Um, but it's it's just it's making it so much harder for the entire team constantly playing from behind. I talked about
0: this, I think, a little bit last week on the podcast. It certainly came up during the week on my post game show on WTMJ. There's a balance between. Like trying to win any given day and also trying to help guys get going so you can become your best self – so you win more games later on in the season. Like if, if somebody came to you and said, okay, you'll lose today, but today's loss will result in five extra wins later in the season, you'll make that trade out. Now, you, there's nobody can tell the future, so you, you can't do that, but it's kind of the, the idea behind what I'm saying, uh, why you keep putting Omar Nevaez in. We did see him have a nice day on Sunday, uh, but a lot of people call for uh, Mark Mathias to be playing more, and Matthias is swinging a better bat than some guys on the team team, and maybe in a given day he's going to help you win, but at the same time, He's he's not the guy who makes you your best self. But then there's the whole idea of how long of a leash do you give somebody. We saw that with Brock Holt this week where they finally said, okay, this is not something that we're going to be able to turn around over the course of the next five weeks. So they went ahead and let go of him. But that's part of just this whole 60-game season. It's a It's a delicate balance on how much rope you give guys, how much do you uh, trust historical data and matchups and trends and track records versus what's going on right now? To me, it really makes managing this team and general managing this team a lot more difficult than it would be in a 162-game season. Agree
1: or disagree? Oh, totally agree. Um, you absolutely knew coming into this season that um, it was going to be tricky to navigate this, and the talk about the way this roster was constructed was that, you know, you take a chance on a lot of guys and um, some of them are going to stick. You hope more than less, um, but at the odds say that some of them are going to. But what's your contingency plan if almost none of the new guys stick, you know? So you do end up having to work it out with some of them. Um, but then the question is, which, you know, I don't know what the answer is to it, is... How long, you know, how many games left in the season do you pull the plug on that idea and say, you know what, we have to start going with the hot hands if we're going to have a chance to uh, stay in playoff contention or get that playoff spot? And like you said, you started to see some of those moves trickle through this weekend. Um, with Holt with his DFA, um, today they sent um, Perdomo right back down. I think that was an easy decision, but at the same time, you know, there's those two moves combined um, are starting to show the signs that they are running out of time to let guys kind of work through it. You st- I think to a level it has started to work. You're starting to see like smoke start to break out a little bit. He had a big game today. He hit um, at least three balls very hard. Um, Avi has had his, you know, moments of kind of breaking out a little bit. Um, has kept doing what he's doing, but then you also have, you know, Sogard has actually regressed a little bit from the beginning. Do you continue to play him in those um, matchups, or do you start giving him more starts? Um, Because Jerko is actually playing a little bit outside of his splits um, this year. So is Pina, actually. So should he just plain be getting some more starts? Um, It's... It's tough, but at some point, um, council going to have to make a decision as to at what you know when do I start just playing the hot hands so we can start going on a run. Luckily, the second half of the season does offer some opportunities for home games, some games against um, some easier opponents like Detroit and Kansas City. Um, if they can get going on a run, they can stack up some wins. But you can't wait too long uh, to have the right guys hot at that point. So it's it's tough. I agree that you have to give the guys, you know, the guys who are your core, who you're planning on working around, you know, for not just this year, the next couple years, the chance to get going. But at some point, if you have postseason aspirations, you're going to have to go with the hot hand.
0: I really do think it's an interesting conversation to be had. And even as recently as a few days ago, Craig Council basically saying he's not yet willing to throw away the track records of players over years and years and years, just based off this very small sample size, 30, 40 at bats to get things started, where all of a sudden you are going to play a Jed Jerko or you are going to play a Manny Pina more against both right handers and left handers that the Brewers really thought their handedness was going to be a big asset this year where they could stack lineups against righties and lefties and that hasn't been the case and like you alluded to some of these guys like Pina and Jerko their splits so far this year are not kind of going along with what they've been historically now if that does continue on at some point you cross over a line where you do have to accept those numbers as being real but it certainly seems like at this point right now council's not quite to that to that
1: place right but and and like you said um i mean council's right these guys do have track record um narvaez in particular is one who you know his uh weighted runs created plus over the last two years um he had 122 in 2018 and 119 in 2019 that's Yasmani Grandal numbers from last year. Grandall was a 121. You know, if you could get Grandall production, you would absolutely take it. So you know it's in there. So it's that's where I get it. Where it, where it's tough, and Council does want to unleash that potential because that's only going to allow the Brewers to play to the best of their abilities. But um, at yeah, again, it, you know, it just comes down back down to at some point you know you got to pull the plug if you're trying to win you got to go with the guys who are going to get you there right now
0: david stern spent some time speaking with the media on sunday i thought he was incredibly candid in what he said and he, he he was very open that the team has not played as well as they expect to play and clearly he was asked about the trading deadline which is coming up in about a week on monday the 31st it's, it's a tough spot for them to be in because they're still absolutely going to be in playoff contention. Where at the same time they might be in playoff contention with a ton of other teams, meaning there's only going to be a few sellers. That's going to result in whoever is available costing a little bit more because from just basic supply and demand issues. And then you've got the other side of it where players who are not on sixty, you know, player the sixty man player pool rosters can't be traded, so there might be some players to be named later, but you got no minor league systems. So I gotta think some teams are gonna be not quite as willing to trade for some prospects who haven't been playing any baseball this summer this is going to be a really interesting trade deadline
1: yeah it's it's tough um like you said it teams are going to be in unless you're absolute bottom of the barrel you're going to be in contention um, for quite a while and for quite a while after the trade deadline mm-hmm. you know um, in a normal year as you're approaching it you' For the most part, you know whether you're in or out. At this point, you know it could be, you know, a couple weeks afterwards that it's oh, okay, well, we're not going to make the postseason. You've got that. You've got the questions of how much do you really want to go after, you know, a sixty-game postseason. Um, I think different teams might value it differently. I've, you know, you know, some people like to say that the sixty-game, the um, championship after this. Crazy season would actually be a harder one to attain, so it you know might even taste a little sweeter. Um, others might say you know this is basically a throwaway season. So how do you really you know do you really want to risk everything to go after this year? Um, I don't know. It, and you also have the fact that with the way the Brewers constructed their roster this year, you know, they've got a lot of those guys on the one-year deal plus option. Um, so. Even if they don't decide to, you know, do something crazy with their roster, they can still essentially start over again in the off season and just do it that way. So do the Brewers decide to, you know, go that route and just try and stay in contention? I don't know. It's, it's going to be very unpredictable. I think it's going to take up until, you know, the last day or two where we do or don't see a flurry of moves across the league, um, but... I, I don't know that anyone knows quite what to think about this one.
0: No, there's no way. I mean, Bob Nightingale tweeted out on Sunday that right now there's only four teams in the National League that are above 500. So I, I don't know if that that may have changed after that tweet got sent as games got over. But the point being, at that moment, that would have meant. Four teams from the National League that were playoff teams were either going to be 500 or below. That's the kind of season this is. I I absolutely believe there's going to be sub 500 playoff teams this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I took a look at last year um, and who would have made it in um, had they had the same rules, and you would have had a Texas Rangers team last year who would have made it into the playoffs with a sub 500 record um everyone in the nationally would have been above 500 but um you don't have as many games to you know separate and build up an over 500 record so i think there's definitely going to just like you said definitely going to be more than one under 500 so that, and that makes it even harder to gauge you know whether or not you're actually out of it um come trade deadline time so it's it, it's going to be a wild ride
0: I want to go back to Science as we start to, to kind of wrap up things here um They've been on the road. The road is a really weird thing this year where it's hotel, hotel room, ballpark, and, and nothing beyond that. I mean, Major League Baseball even has security people at hotels to make sure that players are not leaving hotels. And we saw that played out with the uh, with the Indians with a couple players who ended up leaving the hotel and were not supposed to, and they ended up getting caught. When they were playing in Chicago, there was some talk about how it almost felt a little bit more normal because with the Cubs, at the very least, there's some fans that were on the rooftops across the street. And I heard players say, you know, it kind of felt a little bit more normal because at least you were in the hotel. But then maybe it wears on you a little bit as you make the trip to Minnesota and then Pittsburgh. Now they're coming back home. I can tell you, somebody who's been at every home game this year, it's still just weird. It's so weird not having fans there. Uh, And I, I do think it impacts the game. What? Yeah, the the questions were asked after the game on Sunday. You know, what's it going to mean to get back home? What does that do for you? I generally you can say that's going to help you. I don't know how much that helps this year. It's it's good to get out of like the, where you're stuck in your hotel room for a road trip, but at the same time, being at home, it it still feels kind of stale as well. So I don't I don't I I don't know. I I just don't know what it's going to how how different things are from home to road. I don't even know what I'm asking you right now, but
1: I just kind of (laughs) want to have you comment on that because it's such a weird deal this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the games themselves, definitely weird. You know, the players always comment about how, you know, players and, you know, the TV guys, the radio guys always comment on how the biggest difference this year is not having the fans around. And it just creates such a different atmosphere despite having crowd noise pumped in and whatnot. Um, But still, I mean, you come home, you get to be around your family um, you don't have the, you know, mental aspect weighing on you of a hotel. And is it, um, you know, is it sanitized properly? Is it, you know, is social distancing happening? Um, I, I would just like to feel that there's at least a little bit more peace of mind when you come back home and you're a near familiar surroundings. Even if the game itself and the stadium itself isn't, you know, quite the same as a normal season. Everything else, I would hope kind of puts the players' minds at ease just a little bit more than being on the road and maybe that, you know, is something that would allow them to loosen up a little bit while they're playing the games. Um it's it's absolutely different than your normal, you know, home season, but hopefully it just is just a little bit easier on them mentally. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't I can I'll tell you this, like f- from a um This is going to sound kind of bad. I know there are so many people who would love to trade spots with me in a split second, would love to be at Miller Park in the same building as these games. And Trust me, I'm I'm, I'm well aware of that, and I know that I'm blessed with my job. I actually get to watch live baseball. There's not very many people in this country right now who get to do that, so I'm not trying to uh, denigrate it, but... I'll tell you, when watching the games on TV and when listening to the games on the radio, you don't realize as much how different the game is as when you are actually at the ballpark. When you are there and it's empty and everything, it just feels so weird. And I know they haven't played that many home games, but they've played enough uh, that I, it's still, it hasn't gotten normal to me. It's just, maybe I'm different than other media members, but it just it doesn't feel normal.
1: No, I I mean, I'm not surprised. And, you know, credit to everyone on Brewers Radio and uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin, everything like that. They make it feel, at the very least, as much as they can, like it's a normal game. Like, I don't, when I'm listening on the radio and when I'm watching on TV, I don't get the impression from any of you guys that, um, you know, you're in a hollow, empty stadium or that things feel odd to you guys. Um, I feel like, you all do a really good job of kind of making things as normal as possible for us, and I, I would think fans really appreciate that. I know I do.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'll sometimes um, close my eyes during the radio broadcast and just listen because when you're watching on TV, you can still see that there's no fans there. When you're listening on the radio, there's only a time or two where maybe the people operating the crowd noise don't quite operate it the same way as if, there, you know, there was actually fans there in the reaction. For the most part, just kind of the hum of the crowd noise at any given moment, it's a really peaceful thing. So that's why I think more than ever, the radio broadcast is something that's uh, that's pretty cool. So I would it continue to encourage people to uh, not to not watch it on Fox Sports Wisconsin, but definitely take note of what's going on. Going on on the radio because I think it feels the most real of any of the outlets uh, out there. But man, I really appreciate uh, your time. Again, uh encourage folks to uh, follow you on Twitter at mke matt 13 You're one of the co-editors at Reviewing the Brew. Uh, give, a,
1: give a plug for what you guys have uh, going on right now. Yeah, um, we've kind of well, I mean, we're trying to figure out as much as everyone else is kind of what's happening with the brewers and how we can turn things around. Um, taking some looks at some possible trades. Um, yeah, just a little bit of everything on there. Awesome. Well, uh, we really
0: appreciate your time and a uh, nice, uh, nice first appearance, and we look forward to having you on here again at some point in the future.
1: Thank you. I'd be more than happy to come back.
0: Matt Carroll joining us here on Brewers X the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. He is the uh, co-editor over at Reviewing the Brew. Again, follow him on Twitter at Matt 13 Here's what's coming up this week for the Brewers. Uh, Starting on Monday, a four-game series against Cincinnati at Miller Park. All four games will start at 7-10. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates come into Miller Park for a four-game series starting on Friday. 7-10 pitch on Friday, first pitch on Friday, 6-10 on Saturday, 1-10 on Sunday, and then 6-40 on that following Monday for that four-game series. And we'll talk again before... That series uh, does wrap up. A reminder for you, if you tune in to WTMJ and you hear Bucks play off basketball, just switch on over to 94.5 ESPN, and that's where the Brewers will be. And that will include the postgame show Brewers Extra Innings on uh, days that... Uh, We bump the Brewers Network broadcast over to 94.5 ESPN. We also have Brewers Extra Innings, and uh, that could be you can stream that uh, through Wisconsin On Demand. You can stream that uh, through the uh, ESPN.com and the ESPN app. There's a bunch of different places that you can stream at 94.5 ESPN. All right, thanks so much for being uh, tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully, happier things to talk about next week on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.